are listening to the Climbing the Thorn Lodgecast, and I'm Cabra, and I'm with Ash, and we've got a guest today. His at least second appearance on the Blodgy. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but second, his name's yeah, yeah too. Yep. Doctor Alien Smith. You can talk when you're introduced, which is not yet. But he's from uh, <laughs> Bergerk uh, Recording Studios. Recently started uh, creating some crazy products too. So we're going to be chatting about all sorts of exciting things. Uh, for your studio peeps, musicians, alcoholics alike, it's going to be good. Second time, Al. How does it feel? Feels good. Cool. Feels good, yeah. <laughs> and Ash, how are you today? Uh, p- pretty sweaty, actually. <laughs> it's warm, that's for it's sure. Hot. i got two zones in here. This is the cool zone and that's the hot zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trying to air out the room because it smells like meat. Yeah, I can imagine why it's the hot zone today. <laughs> Indeed. Um, straight off the bat, did you see that recording studio... Rockstar's little miniature podcast episode. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that was weird, wasn't what it? What the hell? Yeah, I don't know. He just did it, and it was just an ad, basically. Yeah, for the the dirt mic. Pretty away. awesome. I guess I've jumped yeah. ahead there, but yeah, yeah, you've been getting pushed pretty hard with a giveaway on a podcast that I listen to all the time called Recording Studio Rockstars. Yeah, well, I think you um you're the one that told me about it in the first thing. I think. Yeah, and then well, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's um. I've been getting hard into the marketing, marketing, marketing sort of things. So, yeah. um, but that's one it thing. It's me hard as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing that's come off pretty well so and far. Also a couple of interesting. Good. Yes. And also we'll, good. we'll start with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I think, uh, well, you actually got in touch with Leach, I think, originally. And then, uh, and then he got in touch with me and um, talking about a few things. And, um, I was looking to sort of, I don't know, get some promotion through him on his podcast because I think his podcast's great. Like, it talks mm. to a lot of really good different people and uh, not just the, um, you know, the big names in the industry and stuff. So I thought that was a, be a good way to get some exposure for the dirt mic. Uh, but in the end, um, he suggested doing a giveaway, which I thought was a pretty good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're doing that and he's pushing it pretty hard and... Um, yeah, he did that little episode the other day, which was just a one-off thing. So yeah, I think was that Friday. Yeah, I think it was Friday. It came out. Yeah, yeah. I just got through my last podcast of whatever I was up to, and then it's like in emboldened Doctor Alien Smith in the very first line. I thought, what the hell? Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that that sort of giveaway thing would cross over into his podcast, but you're still getting the same audience, which yeah, is that's right, amazing. I can't remember hearing um, any giveaways on his thing before. But no. Well, I know he's done them, but I haven't. Can't remember him yeah, referencing them. Yeah, I maybe I think they had one OWC one, but they're a main mm. sponsor anyway. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's one of those full-on marketing giveaway things, which mm. is um pretty intense. A lot of um, I mean, all you have to do to enter is sort of sign up for various things, but um, it's easy to sort of bail out of them. But what's interesting is the way you set it up, where you submit. To the con- uh, to the giveaway with your email address, right? But then mm-hmm. he's got the situation where you can escalate your entries by sharing things on social media, which I guess I've sort of seen before, but haven't yeah really experienced. Like you get an extra ticket or something. Yeah, yeah. you share, share. You get your own specific link. So if you share it to your social media and your friends, you know, then sign up to the giveaway, then you get ten extra entries. Wow. Or if you like my YouTube channel or his YouTube channel or my Instagram or his and, and Twitter and all that sort of stuff, then you get extra entries. So you can bulk up to like 50 
entries and i've been watching that happen people do that they'll go to my facebook page and they'll like my page go to the youtube channel subscribe to the channel oh my god and they seem to be the most and so and that and you're that's your entry into the competition so, mm, that's really cool and yeah. then you can monitor the link that tells you how much they've used it or yeah. yeah yeah he's got he must have all of these stats uh and um it's obviously automatically calculating up all of your entries into this competition it's a pretty pretty massive thing has it converted into any sales yet or uh well, it hasn't because being the nature of a giveaway yeah I imagine true. most people are probably holding off to see if they've won <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah because we're giving away three mics so and that finishes in the end of january so so it'll be interesting to see what happens after that i guess yeah it's probably more about brand awareness i guess than anything else yeah. so and so that finishes i think i saw something today nine days from today yeah, end of january so like the 29th I think, okay so, so yeah. i'll yeah make sure this is out before <laughs> that goes up if anyone oh, wants sure. to yeah. enter as enter well yeah. yeah i could even just do that today got nothing fucking else to do here. <laughs> 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 um yeah, really cool. And then I guess to backtrack a step again, Cabba mentioned it at the start that you've actually got stuff we've mentioned on the show before, but a couple sitting over there Yep. with the sub kick and the dirt mic. Yep. Do you want to just basically run through them real quick, what they actually are? Yeah, sure. Um, the first one is the sub kick, I guess. That was what, yeah, I first made, um, which is, yeah, just basically a speaker mic. I mean, that's, they're used and it's been a, you know, something that people have used for years. I think the Beatles first started doing it in the studio back in the 60s, so it's not a new concept, but getting a, a speaker, reverse wiring it into a microphone in order to pick up bottom end frequencies on things, uh, I guess the classic use is outside a kick drum. So, and I've mucked around trying to do those myself in the studio quite a bit over the years, whenever, you know, you end up with a spare speaker or something like that, just trying to wire it up, but Mm. it's always a bit of a pain in the ass and hard to mount on a stand and all that sort of thing so i guess in initially i was just trying to come up with a solution that would be easy for me to carry around i didn't have to muck around with mounting it and it had a good connector you know that sort of thing and once mm. i fine-tuned the design i thought oh it's not bad and i could easily make those so um yeah but basically it's just a low uh, a low frequency mic it's mainly to be used with other mics um because all it really adds is low end, so listening to it by itself is not really very useful most of the time. But mm. um, it's a handy tool to have, especially if you've got a kick drum which doesn't have a lot of bottom end in it. You can use a sub kick to sort of just beef the sound up straight away. Yeah. So you're sourcing the parts and assembling them yourself? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's a really impressive looking thing. Yeah, well, this one's changed as well because this is Ash's first run sub kick one. So he's got the <laughs> mic clip on here. Yep. Now I'm just doing a rigid mount, which is. Um, into not the as, shell itself yeah is not it? as yeah, flexible yeah. but probably in the long run uh might be a little stronger i don't know mm. um and i think uh is it road or k&m all of those brands probably make you know that little attachment where yep yeah you could have fixed that and it'll probably be stronger than yeah it's a really generic one so yep yep they're cheap enough i've seen them 25 bucks or something yep well it's funny i mean i, I haven't had any problems with pe people i think in the space of a week, about six months ago, I had two people get in touch with me. The first time to say anything was sort of wrong. I said, oh, um, the connector on my subkick has sort of snapped. Oh. And, I, and both situations were exactly the same. They were drummers that had bought subkicks. They set up a recording thing in their house 
and basically both people had had for a year the sub kick mounted on its side so the whole weight of the mic was on the clip yeah and in a normal situation that doesn't matter but the fact that it was there for a year both times the people sort of emailed said oh we went into the studio one day and it was it had fallen off yeah okay so it's a strong clip and it works well but in that one particular instance yeah it's probably not going to last if that's what you're going to do most people wouldn't mount it like that but yeah i mounted it just by sort of having a normal size yeah. mic stand yeah 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 and straight down, up and of, down yeah 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 so yeah, I think it's great. The other thing I noticed is, is oh, you can tell me this, the mm. Yamaha subkick that they had for yep. years, yep. is that a bigger woofer than that one there? It's, I always thought, I don't know, I, I've been trying to track one down actually, to Yeah. have a good look at it, but I, I think they were, I always thought they were NS10 drivers in the subkick. Oh, yeah, of course. So, so what were they? Seven and a half? Maybe, seven and a half think? or eight inch maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so I've got the feeling it was, there was no bigger than eight, but yeah, but that's yeah. a six point five inch driver. So and you did a lot of testing to yep. figure out what you liked best. Yeah, because uh, you want a mic that um, has good, like has a good low resonant frequency. So mm-hmm. you can have an eight inch speaker, but it won't. Uh, just the way the coils design and everything to do with that, it won't actually pick up really low frequencies. So this is a small oh. driver, but it's been made to pick or to have a resonant frequency. I think at around. 36 hertz or something like that so So. um yeah so it's a pretty good but it's also low output so it's not the sort of speaker if you had it in in your stereo you could really crank without it sort of breaking up but for this you don't want to you know it doesn't need you don't need that power so um yeah so it's worked out to be a good speaker um so Mm. yeah and that's basically just the main part of the whole thing apart from the shell so yeah and you've got those new those shells back again, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah same supplier, or yeah, same supplier, okay. but they just didn't have any anymore. So, so I think initially I sold fifty, and then they didn't have any left, and I just I was a bit shattered, you know. I thought, what yeah. The? And I've looked for months to try and come up with a solution, and they just weren't anywhere. Yeah. And then, um, so in the end, I did the Subkiko Two, which is a basically the same driver. Uh, but it's a different shell. It's made out of recycled plastic rather than the bamboo, this one is. And that's worked fine. Um, but then the, <laughs> just recently, like literally three weeks ago, my supplier got back in touch and said, oh, we just got a new shipment in. So yeah. these shells, so back into it. Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So I bought it for me, so good straight away. What do you think about that sort of stuff, Cabba? A uh, couple of things. One, I reckon it's really impressive to sell 50 at that early time probably before any marketing 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 begun um but also just wondering what the positive feedback's been like are people sort of getting in touch with you and telling you they work yeah definitely yeah they are and that's probably the the best bit about doing it actually is seeing people use it and um you know getting pictures or people sending me songs saying you know the mic was used in this recording and that sort of thing yeah it's really cool so um yeah most of it's been fine i haven't had any complaints um, I think with the dirt mic, which is a the mic I put out recently, um, which is a, a harmonica microphone modified with a distortion pedal circuit into it, um, that's been a bit more controversial, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's not an easy concept for people to get into. Like a lot of people think. Um, well, the main reason for me doing it is because I've always been impressed by 
other people's distorted sounds, like distorted vocals and those sorts of things. And I could never get it. And it's such a pain in the ass setting up a, a vocal track to run through an amp or uh, never been 100% set in plugins and stuff. So I just wanted something that I could just plug in and switch on and it was instant distortion. I could just carry it around and it's straight away you get that effect without having to muck around too much with things. Mm. Especially with singers as well. It's good for them to sing with an effect, I feel like. If you're going to sing, an, let's say, an industrial song or a heavy song or whatever, and you want that really gainy sound, when you're doing the take, you've got to have, you've got to be listening to that because the way you sing is different when you're hearing it straight mm-hmm. away. So, um, so that was the main idea. Um, and um, I've actually found that I've probably been using it a lot more on drums than anything else. Um, mm. Gives a really over-compressed, gainy sound that sounds really good mixed in with the rest of the mic. So... Um, but a lot of applications for it. But um, obviously, feedback I've been getting on that, the people that have them, really, really digging them. The people that just see it on a video or whatever, uh, sort of, it's a bit of a hard sell, I guess. People people imagine, oh, I can just plug a mic into a guitar pedal or, or something like that. So Either way, that's a lot of engagement probably, regardless if they yeah. agree with it or not yeah, or have yeah. more questions. That probably brings those videos to life a bit. Yeah, Some action. that's right. I don't mind if people... Uh, you know, criticise that or, or aren't sure of the concept or can't see the point of it. I mean, that's, <laughs> if you don't see the point of it, don't buy it. I mean, that's the <laughs> obvious thing. Um, mm. Some people will see it and go, wow, that's my, I've wanted to try something like that for years, you know, so give it a go. The other thing I've been um, battling with a bit is harmonica players because this originally starts life as a, um, a harmonica mic. Uh, every time people see pictures of it and they're harmonica players, they go, ooh, what's that? But... Harmonica players are the most oh, rigid, old, crusty <laughs> people I've come across. They're terrible. They is that where you got the name Dirt Mike from? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> should be. What well, is that? Because they've got the Green Bullet, and that's just it. Like that's oh, the no, only thing. No, no, a lot mean? of them don't even like Green Bullets. But oh, no, wow. what it is is you have to plug your mic into an amp, right? So oh. you're not a harmonica player if you're not playing your harmonica mic through an amp so mm, yeah you've got this f- gear fetish thing over the mics themselves and then you've also got to have the amp to go with it oh. so that's where you get your classic bluesy tone so mm. so i've been i thought oh mm. okay i'm getting a lot of inquiries from this i'll sort of market try and market and pitch towards the harmonica players and wow i get some fiery <laughs> sort of yeah. responses over that because no matter how hard i try to explain to them that it's phantom powered you plug it straight into a pa desk or you plug it straight into a thing there's no need for an amp like this is an amp alternative mm-hmm. um it's just like oh yeah but how can you plug it into an amp you know it's just yeah it just doesn't click mm. they're just so rigid in th- the way they think about the thing so yeah it's been strange so i'm not <laughs> bothering with that side of it anymore yeah i guess so effectively live if you were a harmonica player you just plug straight into the desk like a yeah. acoustic guitar player would with their di yeah that's right or if you're in a mm. situation where you're trying to record some harmonica um and you know i guess it's the equivalent of plugging your guitar into an amp sim or yeah. a load box or something like that you know to record tracks without creating any noise in the house you know yeah. while yeah. You're playing. so that, that could be another way to sort of that they could use it but no, it's not really. Have you recorded anyone as a harmonica player before? Not with that, no. But what about just in general? Oh, no, I haven't years. I don't, I don't even I know anyone who knows how to play harmonica. I've got one here somewhere. Yeah, I've got one at home I too. <laughs> don't I thought know it why. was right there, probably over there. I haven't worked with a lot of bluesy bands though, so... Um, but yeah, I've seen people... I've watched bands with playing, but yeah. 
Hmm. But yeah, it's a funny, funny thing. So there's a lot of things like that though that that amp right there. That's hmm. a so '80s Roland Cube, and jazz guys love them because yep. they're the cheaper alternative to the JC120 or I think it's 160, the jazz choruses. Hmm. And they're just super clean. And so normal people, you know, cab, I would plug into that and go, this clean tone's horrific. Whereas like a jazz guy will go, this just has absolutely no coloration of tone, whatever. Yeah, I don't pure. quite believe that, but it's sure. a little bit boxy. But yeah, it's it pretty much relies on your guitar to sound good. And yeah. in that case, there is this bloody 80s Yamaha uh, Gibson hollow body knockoff. Oh, yeah. You plug that thing in there, it sounds like a solo jazz album. It's quite <laughs> yeah, right. remarkable, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I can see why harmonica players who play live yep. would want, oh, I've got, I don't know what they'd use, a deluxe reverb fender amp. Yeah. Or a- there's a lot of different brands actually I've been finding out about. Lone Wolf. Yeah. Make, there's a company called Lone Wolf that make pedals for harmonica specifically and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. They make some amps as well. But yeah, they tend to be smaller amps. Um, yeah, right. Like, yeah, single speaker amps and 10 or 12 inch, I guess, would be. But even some of those smaller, are they Fender Champs? Champs, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they tend to be a lot of those yeah, as well. I guess that makes sense. Whereas, like, I saw the Dirt Mic in the mm. exact way you marketed it. It was like, okay, this is something, yeah, I can just plug straight in. I'm in yep. a fucking place here where I can't crank anything up. Yeah, yeah. I'm destined to use load boxes and all yep. this other stuff anyway program drums until the point i can record a kit mm. so it just makes complete sense for me yeah yeah so yeah no it's it's interesting it's good i like it um it's funny discovering different things about how people think like i know a lot more about harmonica players than i ever did because i thought that would be a potential market mm. as such when, purely when you're thinking about where you're going to sort of promote to i guess you know so i joined six or seven din- different um harmonica player Facebook groups and <laughs> you know, did, did all of that. So you just got hammered. Like I should show you some of the posts. Like it's got creamed. I've right. seen a few, I'm and they are. I'm up. just like, come on, mate. I just read the description. You know, uh, it's funny. Yeah, people go hard, but I, I was happy like to for everybody to give feedback. Mm. Like it doesn't bother yeah. me because I know that's not what I made the mic for. So yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit if harmonica players don't really dig it that's one of the at least it starts some debate and your posts will be going off yeah which is cool yeah yeah you're just jumping straight into those groups and putting posts up or are you doing ads as well targeting harmonica niches no no (laughs) not doing any paid don't do much paid advertising if i can help it no i'm yeah well i go into those groups and then a couple of them are like for say like classified style groups so they don't mind you joining and then putting up your ad yeah whereas a couple of the other ones you sort of you lurk in there for a while and yeah. look for an in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what they say. Like, just wait for the right post and then just put some comment on it. Like, yeah, yeah. oh, actually, I've got a solution well, yeah. right here. It's yeah, have you ever thought of trying like... the... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because I first came across and also found out about <laughs> that sort of green bullet on drums thing Yeah, when I did that Poon's Head session. Yep. And he had one, I think he placed it just off to the side of the bottom of the snare yeah okay and maybe pointed it at it or pointed across it to the kick yep and he's like yeah this is a trashy mic and listening Mm. back to it it sounded pretty fucking gnarly but yeah it was a cool sound yep and then i heard a few people reference the green bullet in a similar area or i heard one guy uh did a blink 182 album 
which caused me to listen to one of their new albums and made me want to jump off that balcony. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he put it behind the drummer, directly behind facing the ground. Yeah, okay. And so I think that cuts out all the cymbal wash and yep. only automated it up just for drum fills. Mm. So... Yeah, okay, for yeah. rolls and stuff or, or yeah. sniffles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, well, all of the above probably. Yeah. Not really sure. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, there's that Ryan Earnhardt video where he sits it where sort of you put it in there and it sounds like a bloody room mic. Yeah. Which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, What was the other one? Yeah, yeah. Well, just, just that idea of hearing that sound yep. has made me listen for it in all these other places. Yeah, yeah. And I started mixing this well, semi-mixing this Jesse recording from Germany. Yep. My God. Referring both to these two types of mics, he's got one mic that he called a trash mic, which right. similar sort of idea. You put it somewhere near the bottom of the snare. It's just kick and snare, real trashy sounding. Yep. And another one he sat in a box and it just also sounds pretty trashy and gnarly. Mm. And listening back to those things on their own they sound pretty weird but mm. you can hear it and i can i can hear it in this mic yeah like yeah. the little yeah. experiments we did yep with the farthing wheel stuff it's like yeah it's, i'm hearing it everywhere distortion is fucking everywhere well it's it's one of those weird things the reason why i chose this mic this it's a superlux d112 as the donor mic i guess you could say because a the shape of it there's basically nothing in there. It's an element here and then there's a cavity. So I'm not even sure why originally it's this shape. But um, oh. so there's a lot of space. So there's plenty of room to put things in because you've just got the potent- the pot there and then basically it's just the cable running to the thing and the rest of it's empty. Um, and the other thing is the reason why these bullet mics are so good as trash mics is because they've got limited frequencies. Like it's got no super low end and it's got barely any top end. So they're quite a muffly mid-rangey sound. Now I guess because they're built because a harmonica player puts the, you know, the harp right up to the end of it, cups it, and the best way to get a good sound out of that obviously is to have a, well, the classic harmonica sound used crystal elements initially, which are an old school mic style diaphragm made out of crystal, um, going back to the 40s and the 50s. So these new bullet mics when they were made were were made using a normal di- as a dynamic mic but they have a limited frequency response like those original crystal elements so so with that in mind it, this mic pushed into a pedal sounds pretty good because it doesn't have the an extremely clear top end which would just fizz out totally with a distortion and the bottom end when it gets distorted sort of becomes quite huge so it doesn't have a natural bottom end itself but with the distortion it actually brings that out a lot more so um it's funny, I tried so many different mics because I was just going through a period where I was running different mics into different guitar pedals to try and work out a, a good combination that I wanted to use, but one that I thought would be a good overall sound because obviously there's a million different distortion pedals out there. You know, There's a million different microphones. Um, but in the end, I found that mic with its limited frequency range into uh, a very basic sort of distortion circuit worked the best. And, um, but that's the natural reason why these have been used as trash mics for a long time you know mm. the old green bullets and stuff like that because they have that limited frequency response so yeah interesting yeah some yeah. of the other applications you've posted like in front of a bass amp yeah that was when i first did that <laughs> i just i couldn't believe the sound that was coming yeah. out of it because it just sounded like a, a pedal like and it's funny it's a clean amp 
record it with the dirt mic and then it sounds like this great fuzzy sort of thing which sounds it retains its bottom end and yeah and it's got a lot of great stuff and i think that ryan earnhardt video he did a great bass yeah demonstration true. as well with his thing with that video but um yeah so it's interesting it did lots of different applications i mean it's just a, a fun mic to have around for something yeah. a bit different and because it's easy to use and it's the pedals in there you just chuck it up if it doesn't work take it down and put something else up so or blend it with something else which is something i've done a lot of as well so mm. doing the old blend yeah i like that idea that you can just use it it's that you know getting it right at the source thing yeah yeah um, get that instant hit okay I, I want this drum beat to be really gainy or, or trashy or not even that but just really over compressed or mm. probably the best thing i found is um when you are recording a drum kit in a small room and you're not getting a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of room tone mm -hmm. because it over compresses it so much, the distortion in there, you blend that in. Uh, that's what you're saying is you're hearing it in amongst a mix. You blend that into the rest of the drums uh, and it just, it sounds like a, a room mic from, you know, 20, you know, 15 meters away or something. It's, it's just, you blend it in, it sounds really roomy like that. So yeah, that, that was another good surprise, I guess. And, and I find I can't, like, I've got that Sound Toys Decapitator yep, yep. plug-in. Everyone raves about it. Like, it, everyone raves about it. And I can get it to work as an effect, but I cannot get it to sound good on a room mic. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't really do anything good with it on bass. Like, in, I don't know. I just have no luck with it. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But yeah. then, yet, I hear something like that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, instantly that mm. it has the sound I'd be after. Yeah, yeah. So, like, rather than trying to reinvent, I feel with every mix, I'm trying to reinvent the wheel every time. Whereas, like, this just works. Yeah. And that, that Jens thing that's from Germany, he's given me, like, 31 tracks yeah, of no, drums. Yeah, I know, so many options, yeah. It's amazing. Great. And if I reference an Ahab album mm. and listen to it, I can kind of hear his room, like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But he's giving me all this shit, and I'm like, how the does he turn this into that <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. so i did some mucking around and it's the simple things like so to bring the sub kick back in yep okay he's got three kick mics he's yeah, got yeah. a beta 91 inside he's got one of the biodynamic 160s which is the steve albini yeah goes yeah. on about him one of yep. those tape op things yep. and then a sub kick and i thought okay i'll dump the sub kick because there's a lot of double kick yeah i dumped it i realized that he's uh high passed out all that yeah he's okay. positioned the 160s high and low past it right. so he's actually broken it up into oh, three sort of levels. a layer cake yeah, yeah and then okay. i i started figuring it out oh he's done that with everything so he's got like a his rooms are close medium far right 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 even on the piano it's like treble um bass and then like a mid fill right and then he's just repeated that at various distances yeah okay so conceptually it's quite simple mm. it's just when you get 30 tracks yeah, of drums you you're like start, what the yeah. fuck he's even got two set of overheads in there condenser and ribbons right and he told me it's for options but i know that he would use both mm. um and yeah you turn the ribbon off and some sort of mid-range and low end just disappears and mm. even some sparkle maybe yeah it's really interesting so these kind of things if you can just get it to work and it just why it just builds your layer cake up a bit yeah like it seems so useful yeah, yeah like you could effectively not get a kick drum mic use a 58 which i've done before and yeah. just pair it with the sub kick and you've got 
That's right. Yeah. A kick drum sound. Yeah, you've got that bottom end that you're missing from the. Yeah. Yeah, but you're still getting the attack of it all. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's a good. It's it's hard to expect a single mic sometimes to, to cover, you know, a lot of different applications. At the same time, you can't carry around fifty mics, but um, yeah, if you've got a few things in your kit bag, I guess, which give you some extra options, like for recovering some bottom end out of things that you maybe don't have, or um, trying to get a roomy sound out of a room that's not roomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, just did a recording a couple of weeks ago down in Bunbury. Um, Sorry to hear that. That's <laughs> yeah, no, the second time I've been down there, actually. Good that we've still got you here to talk to us. Yeah. No, I made it out all right. I was in good hands. Um, there's a jam room down there called Ray's Rehearsal Room. And it's oh, just a... Roy. Roy. <laughs> uh, it's just a... It's just a beer, basically someone's garage out the back of a house. And um, it's been soundproofed. They've done a pretty good job. Like, it's not perfect, but mm. they obviously have good neighbours around there as well. And it's basically a rehearsal room for a lot of bands down that way in Bunbury. Um so yeah, second time I've recorded in there, but that was a teeny tiny room. Like it's literally, oh, it's probably the size of this room, I guess. So, oh, okay. You know, seven meters by twenty meters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four meters by three meters, if that. And you got a drum kit, two guitars, and bass, and we were trying to record live. So, um, yeah, pretty crazy situation with that. The the dirt mic gave me some roomy sounds on drums, which is what I set it up to do. But what it also did was got a lot a super huge amount of bleed mm-hmm. um and i found that so when i initially brought the mic up in the mix for that i thought oh great to be able to get some but as, as soon as the music sort of kicks in you think oh well, like i can't use it in that application now because there's too much spill so mm. you know as i was going through the mix process i'm sort of bringing it up every now and again and bringing it back down and it got to the point where i sort of had everything where i wanted it and then i brought that mic up again and it just gave everything just a I can't even really explain what it did, but it just sort of glued everything together almost, just that one single mic. Mm. Everything was really distorted and sort of blown out, but there was a down-tuned sludge band, you know, that's sort of what they want. So um, I felt like I, I got sort of cleanish thing, you know, good, good individual sounds for me and then sort of bringing a mic like that in, uh, considering they're all recording live, um, just gave it that little bit of yeah, glue, I guess, to yeah. sort of show that everything was live, you know what I mean? Like in an audible way so yeah yeah so i didn't think i was going to use it then but it ended up being just a smidge you know just a tiny piece of it was enough to sort of i felt like it brought it all together so it was good yeah that's yeah, really, really cool how that works if uh, only claim a throne could record live one day one day and get a good drummer <laughs> <laughs> we're admiring those bags before as well that you can transport these things around in yeah um i imagine you when you post them out you get it little bag with your goodies inside it yep yep can you explain again how where they come from (laughs) yeah where you got the idea for that (laughs) yeah well um i mean you do your best to sort of i mean i'm I'm not making thousands of microphones so i can't go ring up a factory and say i need a bag that's this size it's gonna you know give me some drawstrings Give me a nice little flap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and make it snug for my... Yeah, make it <laughs> snug. But um, yeah, sometimes... So I just spend hours sometimes on eBay just looking up. I'll get, I'll grab a measurement and I'll grab a word like... I'll go 16.5 centimetres. I'll go bag uh, and just see what comes up and trawl through It's a picture that. of Ash with no pants <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, 
yeah just troll through things so and uh, this uh, i haven't had a, a sub kick a bag for the sub kick which has always annoyed me because it's a bamboo shell and um you know i always imagine throwing it in the you know in your mic bag or whatever and it getting a bit sort of chewed up possibly i don't know it's pretty sturdy actually and it's got a nice finish so it does take a little bit of a beating but um so i always wanted to try and find a bag for it and then when recently getting these new bamboo shells coming back in stock and realizing i was going to do the 01 again for another run which is good i thought i'd have another look in i found a, a makeup bag which is um pretty much the perfect size it's padded it's vinyl and it's got drawstrings and it's got a flap with a velcro sort of like latch on it so i don't think i could have asked for anything more perfect so yeah. there it is now the subkick has a bag <laughs> yeah that's so great. yeah i send so every subkick i sell now has comes in its nice little bag there so. ripper because i find when i take my portable studio around yeah i grab t-shirts and just wrap all my yeah. mics in them yeah well i'm the same i've got a so. box of bubble wrap that i put my subkick in in my case you know, yeah and it's just a bit of a pain because it takes up more space than i'd like yeah um so yeah having the bag is good nice little added bonus yeah. i dig these stickers too just yeah really livens them up yeah is that all new like logos and stuff obviously have you designed that yourself yeah yeah did that canva so. photoshop uh not even that probably some sort of um i think it was an adobe program but something that you get with like a a tablet or something you know just a oh wow basic version built-in so, thing cool yeah i'm hanging so al's stripping down mm. and also the mic yeah so the little stickers are great um, I found a company over east who makes stickers in that exact shape. <laughs> From a distance, they don't look like a sticker. Like yeah. it looks like it's painted on or something. But but they're like a super. Um, like I noticed, you're you know haven't seen nothing's faded on yours so far, which is good. Ash, like it's looking good. A few coffee stains on the front, or yeah, stains, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> the brownish stuff on it could right. be anything in this house. <laughs> Did TJ use that mic last? No, I'm trying to think of what I even did use the last. Um, but yeah, that branding's quite effective. I don't know if you saw it on the back of the subkick cabber. Yeah, yeah. It looks really Love good. It. So I was quite impressed because we use your prototype on that spherical drum recording. Yep. Because you yep. to see the light of day. And um, yeah, so when it actually arrived in the box and it was all legit looking like that, I was like, geez, this is pretty mm. fucking yeah. cool. Yeah, it's... Like it's a nice looking piece, you know. Yeah. Both yeah. of them are really. We'd be surprised how if you <laughs> research stuff long enough, or just try and come up with fairly easy solutions. Then, I mean, the stickers on the dirt mic are a perfect example. Uh, I mean, I I thought, how the hell? Because the mic itself has these little sort of flat spots on the side, oval shaped. How am I going to find, or how am I going to label this microphone? Like, how am yeah. I gonna, in an easy way? I, you know, I looked into sort of badges and. I would love mm. like a little metal badge or something like that. But then you got to, mm. how do you fix it to a metal mic? Yeah. Yeah. Too much yeah. But at the same time, it's got to be hard wearing because, you know, it comes in and out of a clip all the time. You know, probably if someone's using it to sing, it gets held a lot. So, uh, but yeah, I met, found a, a printing place over East that makes those exact shaped stickers just freakishly. <laughs> and I didn't have to enter in any sort of custom size. They were like the perfect size, so... Yeah, it's, it is amazing what you can find on the internet to solve a problem. Yeah. 
like uh, not that I'm even looking, but I saw a, a post or something about a homemade plate reverb. Oh yeah, out of yeah. like a mini. Oh, it was actually out of an IKEA table. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I started looking around and actually looked. What is a plate? Like, mm. what is it? And then, you know, obviously I had a lot of time on my hands. That's right. I was changing jobs, so I had three days of nothing to do. And uh, yeah, I found out some guys were doing it just by like finding a piece of brass or copper or aluminium and just hanging it mm. and just putting little pickups on it. Yeah. So I, st- I started doing the same thing where I was like. Uh, you know, 300 mil brass sheet mm. or 300 mil shim or something. Found out all these words. And I reckon I could build one for 25 bucks. Yeah. I don't know if I actually will or use it, but sure. just... And then someone was going, oh, you need... um, You can go down to J-Car or um, Ultronics and you can get a little headphone driver to drive the thing. And I'm like, come on, there's got to be a better way. And someone goes, oh, I just use the headphone amp on my interface. And just pump it out through there. And I don't care about this, that and the other because it's a plate reverb. Mm. I don't need to worry about delay and all this crap. It's just... No, no. That's the idea of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, maybe I actually will build this one day. Like one day. And yeah, you just find that with every point, someone's figured out just the most simple sort of straightforward yeah. way to achieve something. Well, if there's something you need and you look it up and can't find it... Chances are you're not the only one who needs that in the entire world, so you might be able to find some little thing that you can make them and supply them. Hence the sub kick and dirt mic. Yeah, well, that's what was, they came from. Just me wanting these things. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Um, but I guess yeah, after doing the first sub kick, I was thinking, well, actually, that came together pretty well. Looks all right. Um, works well. Um, yeah, maybe I'll see if anyone else wants them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I guess probably sold at first 50 in like uh, four months, I think. Mm. Three, four months. So, so yeah. Awesome. With that. Yep. Yeah, I got a few things that I could really use just because I don't record that much. But when I do, I want it to be super easy. So, I love the idea I'm using this um, Y splitter for Cabra and I at the moment. Yep. That we tried on the snare top and bottom. Oh, with yeah. The yeah. inverted phase thing. Yep. So you guys are out of phase at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So I loved the idea of doing that because I don't have enough inputs to be able to have a bottom snare mic. So I thought I'll just do that. Mm. Top and bottom tom mics, I probably never would do it. But if there was an option to do it with a wire cable, the issue is is that once you start adding mics, you add stands. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I've looked into things like uh, I love the idea of clip-on tom mics, but I wouldn't really want that on a snare. Yeah. So I like, I'm sure it's out there, but like the idea with like drum hardware where you can have a clamp and two things sticking off it and just little solution things like that. Yeah. I've seen some um, companies make those dual mic clips where you can have a condenser and a 57 for a snare top. Yeah, they're really cool. I've seen a couple of those as well. Yeah, the problem is, is they're, I mean, they're still pretty cheap comparably with something like a stand. Sure. But it's still 25, 30 bucks plus shipping from wherever makes them. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, so it's nice to have like Australian people mm. providing solutions so you can get, you know, not reamed on postage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Let the Americans cop the postage. <laughs> yeah, once, it's so. crazy. Yeah. How, how do you go with postage on your reverb site? Yeah, well, the, well, the reverb site's awesome in terms of you can set the postage for 
you've got to set the postage manually yourself, obviously, uh, but you can set it for every country in the world, separate one if you had the time and patience to do that. Um, but you can set up postage for sort of regions and stuff. I guess at the moment, um, my dirt mics are there's forty bucks postage to the US. Wow, standard. Um, it's with tracking, but not a signature or anything like that. So yeah, um, it adds a fair bit to the price, I guess. But mm-hmm. I guess that's where the Australian dollar value is handy because I suppose all up in in America, it's um, yeah. If you're to buy a dirt mic from Australia, including postage, I guess it's about. 190 US. Oh, okay. So, um, I don't know. That's two, okay. 250, 260 Australian. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. obviously in Australia, the postage is much cheaper. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are most of the sales going in the US? Or where's uh, your popular a spots? Lot. I am selling some in Australia as well. Um, the sub kick's gone all over the place. Uh, I guess the dirt mic has probably mainly been America so far. Yeah. A couple in Europe. Mm. Um, What's the strangest place anywhere that you haven't heard of before? Um, no, no. I mean, I've got mics in Poland and France and Italy and, you know, plenty of European countries, which is cool. I guess I haven't really got any. No one's bought any from Japan yet. So mm. Mm. Something to look into. Um, yeah, plenty in America and a few in Canada and uh, one or two in New Zealand as well, so a lot in Australia so yeah it's good I guess that's the thing with the it's a big wide world (laughs) and so many people out there doing recording and stuff so um, I think the reverb side is good for me because it tends to have a lot of people browsing like I tend to get a lot of sales just from people browsing not necessarily going there specifically to buy Mm. the mic so so that's good to have oh it's so much easier to find yeah like chance upon something on reverb than yeah. it is on ebay yeah yeah that's right yeah, like you type in crazy. what was i looking for the other day i was looking for a dynacomp you know those old pedals yeah compressor pedals i typed in something and it was just like a million results of nothing to do with anything musical yeah and i'm like this is a pretty straightforward thing you know what i mean and then you jump on reverb and you find it just instantly yeah yeah it's pretty awesome yeah it's a good good sight yeah. So I, I use that. I just use that to sell things through. Like I don't. Oh, yeah. I've got a website, but I just links to the reverb shop. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty convenient. So yeah, I find uh, a lot of manufacturers. There's that Bondi Effects. Have you heard of them from yeah. Eastern States? They're yeah. on there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm noticing a lot of that, which is cool. Well, if you're a seller on there, they're actually very good at touching base with you. Um, like I, after selling a few sub kicks on reverb, I got an email from the Australian reverb guy mm-hmm. uh just touching bass and um it, you know he ran through all these things and sort of upgraded my store to be you know these sort of levels uh, of flexibility you know to, to edit the store and that sort of thing oh cool uh and then yeah just said to reach you know reach out whenever you need anything and that sort of stuff and they've been pretty good actually yeah they've done an interview with me and stuff on there as well for yeah i read that actually and, yeah so yeah that's right forgot about mm-hmm. that yeah Actually, something you'd be interested in is um, I hit up um, Tape Op magazine. Oh, see if I was going to ask that, actually. <laughs> see if they do a review. Yeah. And um, the guy said, uh, and he asked me a few of these questions. One of them was like, what's your shipping like? And, you know, can you get things to the States pretty quickly and that sort of stuff? I guess they're sort of, they have to vet people in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, to find out sort of how serious you are, I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, and I didn't hear anything for a while. And then I sent him an, uh, an updated email with Ryan Earnhardt's video, mm-hmm. you know, because that was a pretty good, gives everyone a pretty good idea on what the mic does. And I didn't hear anything back, but just the other day, they he said he'd, um, oh, because what they do with tape up is they, they pitch, they must, they have all of their writers. They pitch the products that they are available for review and then the writers just go through and say, oh yeah, I'll, I'd like to review that. And they grab it and I'd like to review that. Mm-hmm. So the, the tape up had said, we, we've submitted it to our reviewers. We'll see if anyone's interested. That's how it works with like music reviews and stuff as well. Yeah, I guess yeah. Sim- similar ways. Yeah, I, I suppose I never really thought about the how a magazine like that would mm. work. But mm-hmm. when you've got lots of contributors and stuff, yeah, it'd be a, be a similar thing, I guess. But yeah, someone put their hand up to review it. So I just oh, sent cool. one off the other day. <laughs> Do you know who? Yeah, I know the guy's name, yeah. Is it not revealable or yeah, after? Yeah, no, his after. name was Ben something. Oh, okay. I, I think he's fairly new. He's only had three or four reviews so oh, far. Oh, okay. I did a little search. For yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Bet the guy. Because, yeah, a few of those guys that just popped up, I didn't even realise that they're Tapop contributors and you see their yeah, name okay. in Tapop. Do you know what Tapop is? First I've heard of it. It's like an online magazine you can subscribe. Like, so you could sign up right now and you'd get a PDF. I think it's four times a year, maybe. Mm. And Yeah, I think it's like quarterly. Yeah. And it's just chock-a-block full with reviews of new stuff, like articles, interviews with mm. producers and awesome. engineers and artists as well. But then they also might do off-the-wall stuff. They might just weirdly review like an old amp for some reason. Mm. You can pick these up or give you weird tips like... If you want to do this, you know, opinion pieces, maybe stuff, mm-hmm. but it's for it. Like, I it's value it concept. quite highly. Yeah, I think it's a good magazine. I've, I've always liked it, even when it was a print version. Yeah. You used to be able to get copies of it at 78 and stuff every now and again. So, yeah, yeah. Used to, picked up a couple over the years. But yeah, it's been going for a long time and it's got a great reputation. Um, yeah, the world, I absolutely, so. like, every time I forget about it and then every time it pops up. Yeah. In my email, I'm like, yes, something to read at lunch. Yeah, well, I always like the <laughs> review section because they review a lot of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. And, and you sort of have trust mm. the guys. I find that about a Premier Guitar if you, you don't really care about gear and shit, do you? Generally not, but yeah. go on. <laughs> I find that similar. Like you can just go to the website and you get access to everything as opposed to some other websites. Mm-hmm. And they do great reviews of if, if a new product's come out, like even a pedal or something, yeah. I'll go there. In fact, they might even be interested in a dirt mic. Oh, maybe. It might appeal to someone there. Yeah, maybe. Because, um, yeah, they do these things that wouldn't necessarily pitch to just a down-the-line guitarist. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like maybe the best example would be a load box. For, yes. You know, yep. but that, that is obviously very geared towards guitarists. But mm. Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there's people who have the ability to record things now a lot themselves. So yeah. It's not really just recording studios it's recording musicians tend to be the thing that i i would say most people are these days yeah um it's just too really easy to to get involved and to learn a bit about it and do a lot of things yourself so so i guess they're sort of changing a little bit i guess magazines like that probably would branch out a little more so yeah and i fully think that there's going to be no such thing as like oh there probably will be someone with like a studio in their house yeah one day but i think it's going to be not our generation but give it 10 years and the next crop the mm. people are in high school now those bands are going to record themselves from day dot yeah yeah there won't even be an expectation that they'll go into a studio. yeah 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 because it's so accessible and it's i think guys like you with like um niche experience in the market 
mm. you'll be able to do things like a whole band all at once. That yeah, seems yeah, like very yeah. prohibitive for a lot of bands to do and yep. can't even conceptualize how you do that. Yeah. Which is amazing because it's actually easier to do that, in my opinion, than multi-track well, yeah, recording. Well, the, yeah, that's right. Because I'm in the band I recorded on the weekend. We did had two days and they did eight songs, not short songs. Yeah. Uh, it's probably about 40 minutes worth of music. And we did all the music and the vocals in two days. And the, yeah, the main amazing. reason was, is they're fairly well rehearsed and we did everything all at once, except yeah. for the vocals. So, um, <sighs> so yeah, squeeze it into a quick <laughs> trip down hands. to Bunnett. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the thing, I guess, talking about Farthing Wheel, which is when we yeah. last worked together, was drums. You know, you set up drums and then you get some tones and then you do the songs, then mm. you finish it off in the morning and then do the same for guitar. And being multi-tracked, you're sort of doing it, you need the gear to do this and that and yep. I'm the only one playing. And then it finally, you know, got to three in the afternoon and we hadn't started vocals yet and we're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And whereas like those songs are so basic the eight eight sort of two to three minute songs if there was a band rehearsed to be able to do even just the basic tracking of that yeah could have smashed that out like set up in one day and smash it out in day two sure but it's horses for courses isn't it i mean True. that's a different yeah <clears throat> there's all sorts of other genius going on in that farthing wheel recording well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe what is funny about that is that all of the solos i was so burnt out after doing that all the prep and everything. Yeah, yeah. I just lifted them straight from the demos and sent yeah. them through. And why not? So they were good. I think so. I re-recorded one or two, but I couldn't get the tone to be better, mm. and I couldn't get the playing to be better. Yeah. So I was like, "Why am I bothering with this?" And yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's the other side to it, isn't it? It's just every single way you do it. I mean, you put in a lot of preparation for that recording. Yeah. Like you had everything <laughs> charted out. You knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, the fact that we were doing things one at a time we had to dick around with sounds uh, a little bit you know as we were going along mm-hmm. uh, and a lot, and a, quite a few different sort of setups I guess because you were playing pretty much everything it just meant that um, it did take longer but if you hadn't done all that pre-planning then <laughs> <laughs> we would be still be there now probably so yeah 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 so it's um, oh, it worked out well yeah, I'm, I'm really really interested to people hear that actually <laughs> That's, um, yeah, well, I sent it to, like I was saying, to our friend Barker. Yeah. And he, he knows the band. He's known about it for years. He knows the the main members, so to speak, and what goes on in their minds. And um, he yeah. was very just like half-half, like, oh, I've got so much on my plate. I don't think I can be bothered. I'll do a logo for you. How's yeah, yeah. that? And then I sent him, when you sent me the master, I sent it mm. to him and said, oh, here's, you know, here's where we're at. Actually, we were next door. Okay. Listening. Oh, I wish he's down south. If he was home, I'd show you the stereo. Yeah, right. I was God, that would be amazing. Yeah. But um, yeah, demos. When not the demos. Sorry, the first sort of rough mixes. Yep. I showed him next door there, and he. I could just see him sort of like, what the hell? And Perking then up a bit, yeah. after he's like, yeah, maybe when you get the masters, can you send them to me? So <laughs> I sent it to him, and he instantly was back. He's like, yep. Yeah, I mean, let's do a seven inch. I'll do this. You need help with that animation? I'm on board, and yeah. you know. So I'm interested to see what the hell happens with it. You're worried about the harmonica players' uh, comments. What are people to say about Farthing Wheel this time? Oh, mate. <clears throat> Maybe join a few harmonica Facebook groups and post them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> post some Farthing Wheel. <laughs> yeah. Well, That'd be pretty funny, harmonica actually. wouldn't be out of place in Farthing Wheel. No, should get. Well, listening to some of TJ's vocals, 
I sort of envision some sort of bearded seafaring gentleman <laughs> playing, you know, stabbing away at his harmonica on the uh, wharf there. I don't know yeah. what to picture when I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> some crazy Bo stuff. Bo Pippin pretty much. Well, yeah, maybe that's that's what the videos are supposed to illustrate. Yeah. Just and I haven't got anything done now. I'm looking at all that shit in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did notice on that a lot of distortion on the vocals. Yeah. And uh, where else did I sort of... I guess it was less noticeable in the drums, but it's funny how if you don't listen for it, you don't hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if we move to an album of the week section. Go for it. But yeah, this one of my resolutions this year is to listen to two albums a week. Okay, that's a good Considering Sleet listens to... He's up to 800 albums, by the way, (laughs) for 2018. He's listened to 800 albums, new albums from 2018. Um, just the fact that there's that much music to choose from. What is he listening to? Brazilian shuffle course? <laughs> I think it's mostly metal. Yeah, yeah honestly, ninety-five percent. Yeah. So I think there's a few. There's a bunch of them are skips, but he's rated sure, sure, eight hundred albums on yeah. his little app. Crazy. And also on his iPhone. <laughs> but he, um, he, yeah, kind of inspired me. Like, what the hell am I doing? I should just listen to more. Yeah. It doesn't have to be new music, but I do find it might be two weeks before I listen to an album again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I started off with Tool, which is up there, 10,000 Days, and then Primus, the Brown album. Have you oh, listened yes, to that? Yes, I have. Yeah, that's oh my, my favorite God. Primus album, actually. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I'm a general Primus fan, but I haven't sat down and listened to an album in I can't even remember since they did those rehearsal recordings a while ago, like a couple of years, probably five years ago now. Yeah, right. And the Brown album is littered with distortion. I know. It's a crazy album, isn't it? I don't know what it's was going on with that. unbelievable. But yeah, it was a very unique sounding album, I remember. Yeah. It's album of the week. It's my album of the week for sure. You know, I Shake Hands with Beef. Do you know this song? Oh, it's been a many, many years yeah, since I've listened to Primus. For a long time, right. but I'm sure I can picture that cover. Yeah, because it's the, the worst cover the in the history of album covers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty dodgy, actually. Brown album. <laughs> I always remember that album because um, on that tour, they came to Perth, played Metro City, I think, and my brother's band opened for them. So, oh, really? Yeah. Who's that? Okay. The band My Brother's Band? Yeah. No. Have you no, ever heard my, of them? No, I haven't. Oh, it's <laughs> My Perth, Brother's that's Band. Perth that's Perth a good band. name for a band, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. No, my brother was in a band called Closet Panic Snivel. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, I've got yeah. their cassettes. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you really? I've got one hand-drawn cassette and one <laughs> CD. Yeah, I don't know how I've got them or where from. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think I ever actually I thought saw thought you them. were joking with how you responded to that. No. Oh, yeah. Just I've a funny, funny name. Cause the, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing the name around a lot when I was going to all-ages gigs at the Groveton back room, but never actually saw him play. But somehow. Yeah. Got my brother music. was a singer, so... Hmm. And that was their, like... Yeah, Biggest gig ever? Oh, everyone, all of us hanging around those guys because they were all good friends of mine. Um we're all Primus fans at that point. So, um, yeah, that was huge. That was a great gig. Yeah. Un- unwittingly, that would be Farming Mill's biggest influence. Yeah, okay. Not yep, so yep. much from me, but you can see where it comes from. Sure. All of that. That's, it would probably explain a lot, I guess. Yeah, but I would say probably from a more fragmented, weird, strange universe, though, than, <laughs> than that. <laughs> yeah. Is he a Mike Patton fan? No. Oh, like, yes, but vocally, no. Mm. I think he likes the um, 
you know, epic and these sort of songs that are a bit more conventional. I'm thinking like Phantomus and stuff might have been. Yeah, I know he's got those albums. Yeah. He's also got fucking 4,000 other albums yeah. too. <laughs> but when I was mixing that Farthing Wheel stuff, I got, was getting heavily triggered by memories of that band that I told you about. Oh, yeah, Kiss yeah. Kiss My Poodle's Donkey. Yeah, I <laughs> see the similarities there too. <laughs> I There was a, yeah, an awesome album from, God damn it, I did... It must have been the mid nineties. No, it must have been late nineties, I guess. Yeah, it was just a, it was a solo album. One guy did it. Uh, Kiss my poodle's donkey. He was a <laughs> recording studio guy. Actually, he had a a recording studio in Sydney, I think, called Big Jesus Burger, <laughs> and um, which I was immediately drawn to that name. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, and he's um, yeah, he was doing a lot of really interesting bands at that time. So, and he seemed to be involved heavily. And in, there was a a label over he's called Hot Records at the time and they were putting out I don't know bands like Celebrate Rifles and things like that a, a bit of a mishmash of I guess the underground Sydney scene which is pretty far removed from Perth so there, there were some interesting bands yeah and he did that uh, whole album um, in his downtime in his studio when he didn't have clients so but it was amazing like the vocals oh, there's I just some the similarities yeah did you have a listen yeah, to you that showed, you showed yeah you showed us one or two tracks. songs yeah 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 yeah, it was pretty off the wall. It's stuff. not on Spotify, which I'm spewing about because I've I've got a CD of it tucked away somewhere, but had to, had to, it's on YouTube, I think. But yeah, we'll go out with a song after this episode oh, if we donkey. can find it. I can't remember how you found it. YouTube? I or? think it was on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that I think um, other things that popped out on that Primus album, mm. distortion on every instrument, mm. so like heavily on that's not from the bass, like bass distortion possibly from a mic like this or whatever yep all the drums distortion everything and all the vocals and then i hear other weird things where it's like sounds like a very roomy drum sound and then the hi-hat is just pinging like just so you know primus hi-hats mm. just in your face and then i realized hang on a minute every time he hits the snare it pulls way over to the left so he's probably got like a all distant mic set up with just a hi-hat mic for a close mic yeah as like an opposite, because you're trying to usually get hi-hat out of the snare, they're like, oh, f- this is my imagination. Like, oh, fuck it. You get so much hi-hat in snare anyway. Why don't we just only mic the hi-hat? Right. And they're such amazing players that, is, you know, he's able to, um, you know, play the hi-hat at the volume. You know, he's not smashing the crap out of it. Yeah, so it's-, it's louder than the snare though. Sure. In yeah, some right. of the songs. Okay. It's quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, awesome players. Yeah. And what got me to listen to that, that's right. So I listened to. Have you ever heard of the Vinyl Guide? No, I it's no. it's a podcast. I think he's, he's an American guy. I think he lives over east somewhere though. Okay, massive vinyl collection. Real nerd. Gets all these dudes on, and he had brain from Primus oh, and okay. Gunners and shit. He played on that album, and yeah, he said that they basically just recorded that as a band, just like in it, a couple of takes or alternate takes because yeah, they're great musos, and he talked a lot about. Guns N' Roses being the opposite of that where Josh Freeze had come in who's like a, the most famous session drummer of all time did all the tracks for Chinese Democracy and he's friends with Josh Freeze and Brain got joined Guns N' Roses maybe through Josh and then ended up note for note even in the drum solos replacing all of Josh's parts because well, that's what him. Axel oh. wanted Oh yeah, right. So they re-recorded that album fifty times, which reminds me of my bullshit I got going on in there. And 
is what it took so long. Yeah, yeah. And you listen to... I'll have to listen to Chinese Democracy. God damn, that's on the list, don't I guess. That. Don't do that. I know. But, you know, like, you listen to Primus and you're like, yeah, they just did it and it sounds like itself. Yeah. That's a good album of the week, actually. I'll have to go back and check that out. Because, yeah. yeah. I haven't listened to that for a long time. So His lyrics are something else. Yeah. The one... I can't... <laughs> oh, fuck, I can't remember the song. But, yeah, the, how he refers to things, doing yeah. things is really interesting i always liked that album too because i felt like well les claypool's obviously a wacky sort of guy and did wacky lyrics and wacky song titles and stuff i felt like that album was the most um unpurposefully wacky if you know what i mean like i felt sometimes i listened to primus and i always thought oh it's just too much you know it's a bit too yeah you know like trying too hard to do that i just felt like that was a more natural album i guess yeah <laughs> For be such a thing yeah, for yeah, Primus, yeah. Yeah. We'll all be listening to Primus this afternoon Driving <laughs> home Back yeah, yeah. to your no, no power land Yeah yeah Back to the hills What have you had on the CD player or oh, Spotify well, <laughs> um, A couple of things about the last I guess this last week I've been doing a lot of making of microphones So oh, that tends yeah. to be my album listening time now Because I can just chuck something on and Two birds stoned at once Yeah That's it <laughs> And I, but I was listening to a podcast and I don't know how... Oh, that's right. There's a, a long chain of events, but I listened to the Henry Rollins podcast. Do you listen to that? No. Oh, he has a podcast. He has a podcast where it's him and his assistant, Heidi, and basically picks a topic to talk and he'll recount a story about something in particular. And obviously he's oh. known now for his stand-up, well, his spoken word stuff. So he's got all these amazing stories, but a lot of them tend to be um, about people he knows or always had contact with and so great stories about Black Flag and, and all of those early years amazing stories actually he's such an eloquent reteller of these things so um, other thing is he's had podcasts about Lemmy about you know how he met Lemmy and, and, and he's a, a guy that surprisingly knows so many people um, there's a great episode where, about him and Bill Shatner <laughs> oh the Star Trek dude yeah 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 that's a good one to look at but the latest one hmm. was um he was telling the story of all the times that he sort of come across Ozzy and his relationship with Ozzy and the Osbournes, Sharon Osbourne and stuff, uh, which is surprisingly, he's had a lot to do with them over the years. He actually did a, there's a Tony Iommi solo album that you can't find anywhere uh, that had guest singers on it. I remember Phil Anselmo yeah. was on one track and um, apparently Henry Rollins was on another and that was through um, yeah Henry Rollins knowing the Osbournes, uh, you know, Ozzy and, and that sort of thing. Anyway, so I listened to that. And then I was looking for um, Tony Iommi interviews uh, on podcasts and I couldn't really find any. He's not, he doesn't really give out many sort of interviews, but I found this podcast where they were reviewing a, um, one of the obscure Black Sabbath albums, Seventh Star, I think it was. Like It had Ian Gillian, I think. Is it Deep Purple Singer? I'm not sure, but it was one of the two that... So after Dio, there was two albums that released. One was called Born Again uh, with this other singer, I swear it's the Deep Purple singer. But Did Ian Gillian sing for Iron Maiden? Is this a Roy fact that he's told me? I don't know. I don't know if there's any Roys out there, phone in the show and let yeah. us know. I'm sure both Roy and Stu are going to fucking yeah. ream us for this. But yeah, yeah, sorry. I might be wrong too. It might not even be that guy, but I'm sure yeah, it's maybe. Gillian is his last name. But oh, unless it's Ray Sa- Gillian or something like that. Sabbath after Ozzy left. After Dio. After Dio. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Dio did two albums. And then after that, they put out an album called Born Again, which was with a new singer. It might not have been the guy from Deep Purple. But uh, anyway, sounded like he's got that similar sort of voice. 
Uh, and then Tony Omi went to do a, a solo album, uh, except the record label wouldn't let him release it as a solo album. It had to be Black, Tony o- a Black Sabbath featuring Tony Omi. That was the name of the <laughs> album, the way it came out. Anyway, <laughs> I thought, why are they doing a whole podcast about this album? Uh so I didn't really bother. The podcast wasn't great, but then I went back and started listening to the obscure Black Sabbath album. So pretty much all of this week, <laughs> I listened to Born Again. I listened to Seventh Star. I even went back and listened to some of the bad Aussie albums like um, Technical Ecstasy and Never Say Die, which is I still bad. can but, safely say I've never listened yeah, to those. No, there's not many redeeming features. They went on this weird sort of rock country thing for a little while, it seems. Really? Yes. Bizarre. But... um. A couple of good songs. So yeah, so that's basically all I've been listening to this week. So out of all of those Sabbath albums, which mm. are the one, which is the one that you would say I should listen to? Uh, probably Born Again, actually. Born Again. Yeah. All right. Well, the Dio albums are good. Like it felt like after, t- you know, everybody knows Black Sabbath and everyone's got their own opinions on this. But after the last two Aussie albums, when Dio came in, things seemed to kick up a notch of professionalism again mm. and sort of. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not as big a Dio fan as I was of the Aussie years, but those albums are pretty good. But yeah, this album, when it came out with this new singer, Born Again, it had. I remember seeing years ago on Rage, they had a film clip for the single off it, which is called Trashed. And it's a story about this guy getting drunk and driving his car. It's really un-Black Sabbath-y, but with the music, like it's it's still Black Sabbath. So there's something for you. If you're, mm. That's got to be on YouTube somewhere. The film clip to Black Sabbath trashed. I think that's definitely <laughs> album of the week. <laughs> album of the week. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What about you, Brendan? Morse Principium uh, or some no, shit. I've just been listening to the new Soilwork album. Oh, close enough. Nothing interesting or groundbreaking. Um, and much to Smitty's horror, I quite like it. He doesn't like it. He thinks it's putrid. Um, which I think <laughs> it's actually one of their better ones for quite a few albums. They've been pumping them out every year. Not another um, double album or something? Nah, just Thank Christ. a length album. Are they sticking to their guns or is it a bit more... Are there any sort of growth there or is it just a sore No, nah, I think they just sort of stick to their um, yeah, their songwriting recipe that they yeah. do now. And Speed Strid, the singer, does a lot of his um, over-the-top, clean, melodic singing that he does in other projects. But I find it's quite bearable on this album <laughs> because there's a lot of ruthless blast beating and pretty good music performance i reckon which sort of carries it some pretty cool riffs lots of memorable stuff um a few song titles in swedish which i like change it up a bit uh, <laughs> with interesting sort of punctuation marks like de- like characters that you yeah, yeah. aren't that you haven't seen before like a like strange a, a, yeah, a like with a circle <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no that's always impressive but anyway i wouldn't really recommend it to anyone but i've been enjoying <laughs> listening to it nonetheless i started listening to my what should be my album of the week today um i was listening to the recording studio rock stars but he mentioned another podcast smi and i i know okay. it just casually mentioned it and i thought what the hell's smi so i start looking for stuff mm. And couldn't find it, so I searched studio, see Claimer thrown in there. Pfft, big mistake. <laughs> then um, I think I was like recording studio or something. And then up pops this jazz one, but it's just two jazz pianists who give like a daily 10, 15 minute podcast on just like tips to practice. Mm. Oh, okay. um, break down a, a solo of some famous jazz player. And that that episode might be seven minutes long. Mm. And every day they just release something and that 
you can hear them sometimes that's like a bit ambient and then they'll be talking about a concept and start ripping on the piano. And so I reckon I listened to maybe nine episodes just before you guys rocked up. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, it's these little things when you start searching yeah. on the podcast stuff, you go, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize John Safran had been interviewed by 10 different podcasts. I'm going to listen to every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that one is called, I think it's called You'll Hear It. Right. Which is like, because they're explaining jazz jazz concepts, and they're pretty hard to explain. They're just like, eventually you'll hear it. Like, just stick with us. Mm. But yeah, how the fuck do I get onto that? Oh, that's right. Soil work being terrible oh, and <laughs> yeah, derivative and boring. Mm. Yeah. And um, yeah, hearing these these guys just talk about just an episode of just a blues scale mm. and saying this is how not to play a blues scale. Mm. And then they just tell you that and then they go, all right, see you tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> and that's it. So, yeah. You should have a listen to that for the next Harvest Trail album. <laughs> Get some inspiration. How are you guys going with that anyway? Uh, Where are you at? I've been jamming every weekend <laughs> with the other guitarist, which has been a bloody hoot. Yep. Um, How's yeah, that going? From registering, really good. He's all over it and he's taking it very professionally. He's printing out the tabs and he's... Um, using Guitar Pro for the first time ever, he's um, exporting the MIDI's, putting him into his um, software, slowing him down, speeding him up, doing all this different stuff. He's yeah printed out the tabs and going through them and like making amendments or drawing on hammer-ons and shit where I haven't put them in and stuff like that. Cool. Um, details guy. Details guy. Nice. Well, he's a con guy, isn't he? Hey. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Do you name um, names or is this? Identity. Yeah, do you oh, Ian from Red Descending. Yeah, oh, is, yeah. yeah, Ian Benet. And he's just had a child, so and he's on holidays from school. He's a lecturer. Uh, so he's got a lot of time at the good moment. Time. Mm. Uh, makes good coffee. Ticking all the boxes. Ticking all the Excellent boxes for coffee. sure. Yeah, real good He lives this. just near Vision. Oh, yeah, okay. And so when we did the spherical thing, I sent him the raw track to it, right. to one of the songs, just a snippet, and said, look, Red Descending next album because I'm allegedly in the band. We really should do live drums because that always program. Mm. And here's a snippet of it. So when that eventually comes out and it's also released, I'll get that through to him to give him some convincing. Yeah, cool. More. He's really enthusiastic with stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, actually, he's in Harvest Trail, so that will make it Mm. easier. Mm. Just show him that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I haven't done jack shit on that since I programmed those drums. No sense of urgency. We probably just need to book in a date somewhere and to record. Yeah, I think what I need is for my wife to return home mm. so I don't stay up until two in the morning either working actually on her song the last four nights or, or um, Johnson. this fucking shit over there, yeah. animation. Nah, get that stuff done. It takes so much time. I yeah. think with her there, I'll be more effective. Because I'm content to research and try stuff and Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And this is the other wrinkle in that fold is that we've got these two rooms. So, that's our bedroom through there. Mirrored room over here, which is my studio room. I'll show you in there after. It's pretty fucked. TJ has one as well. Obviously, the layout's exactly the same. His front room's doing nothing. So, when he came in here and saw how fucked the kitchen was, it was (laughs) insanely shit everywhere, all over the place. He goes, oh, I need to clean out that room anyway. Just set up the studio in there. Mm. So this week, I'm going to bring all of that crap into his room. Right, right. He's going to give me a Free key. Some space, yeah. Which could be weird if I 
rock in at the wrong time. And yeah, they have mate, a secret knock. Right. Yeah, yeah, just like put your clothes sock on, on the door, sock on the dear, sock on the dick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that I think progression on that will get better come Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. well, if you're under a lot of pressure to try and get it done for a certain deadline, and it's taking up heaps of space in your house, and yeah, it'll make a big difference, take a bit of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. But I think I like this idea of a seven inch and also a vinyl release that just with four songs i think so yeah. we'll, we'll hit you up for vinyl mastering cool when that when we figure which songs and blah 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 and do you have a record player yeah i've got an sl 1200 next door oh, yeah. it's <laughs> all of my shits next door except yeah, yeah. for my amps in the room so yeah i've got to get it set up and blah 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 mm. Yeah. Why is that for test pressings or something? Or oh, I'm just curious to because oh. vinyl's quite big now, and a lot of people are sort of looking at press oh. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where you actually find a lot of people don't like. I've I literally my record player's stuffed. Mm. I haven't had one for about six months. So I've got sort of four or five releases just sort of sitting in the cupboard that haven't oh. even been played yet. Mm. So I'm not sure what they're like, but. Yeah, have you got a player, record player? Yeah, I do. I don't yeah. really use it too much. I've only got a handful of mm. vinyls. Um, but I like the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit it's Spotify tricky. obsessed these days, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I know. That's the same with me. Recently got a Chromecast for the um, oh, yeah. telly. And, um, Sweet. It's kind of making it really easy just to put music on and off at any time, anywhere in the house. So, like, stronger connection than Bluetooth. Mm. Less fiddly, um, yeah. And Spotify and YouTube and stuff—you just cast to it or cue things up when other people are listening to things in the house. Yeah, because you can all jump on and sort of yeah, things to it. So it's all just real easy and fun at the moment. I haven't had a good record player since probably 2011, 2012. Mm. Um, I've got this piece of shit that I haven't set up since we left your place in Malaloo. So it's been a few years, but because you know where we're living. We yeah. just roll over there and listen to music. Yeah, yeah. TJ's got the yeah, got know, the shit. Some pictures about a month ago of some crazy, oh, yeah. crazy amps he's got now. God, he goes through some stuff, but yeah. it's, it does sound amazing. What we're gonna do is just dump this TV. We're not gonna have one anymore. Oh, okay. Um, so we're both due for new computers mm. for school and recording stuff. Mine's ready to shit brick. Mm. So we're gonna ditch that thing. Stick like a piece of um, MDF or something from Bunnings and a little tablecloth, and just lay out a system there because yeah. I've got like bookshelf speakers and stuff. Get rid of that micro hi-fi and just yeah, quit TV altogether. I, I swear, I've put it on probably once every second day in the last two weeks. Yeah, but I'll put it on when I at eleven thirty when I should already be going to bed. Mm. And just have something on and usually be Googling shit on my phone. Mm. Yep. So I figure like, shouldn't I just be listening to more music and... You can watch it I on a computer if you really want to. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to get a separate one of those Mac Minis. The new version for me is pretty awesome. The entry level model is like 50 times better than my computer I've recorded with for mm. five years. So I'm just going to get an external monitor that's big enough that if we do want to watch a movie you can just pull it here and yeah get close enough to it. hdmi and who cares mm. sounds good yeah yeah there's a strange obsession for uh large televisions in the 
at the moment in our society, that's for sure. Yeah, or vinyl. So we're like yeah. buying into that vinyl side of it. <laughs> yeah, now. you're right. And yeah. downsizing the TV. And yeah. The, yeah. But I have three Black Sabbath albums up there. Yeah, okay. Um, not any of the cool, obscure ones. <laughs> but... Um, no, well, that's, that's the collector's part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of... Which I don't have. Down different versions. Yeah, I, I can't... Because I'm too busy trying to spend money on guitars. Yeah. I can't funnel it off into music I know it's funny it happens a lot in the hardcore punk world I've seen it a lot with a lot of bands I record bands will purposefully if they go into the extent of pressing something they'll purposely put out three or four different colours yeah you know, and they're obviously people will just buy one copy but there'll be you know 20 30 people that are hardcore fans that say right and they order one version a copy of each colour because mm-hmm. they have this massive collection and they need it to be complete and um so it's again, it's just these bands do it on purpose to cater for people that are so keen and that sort of stuff. And I guess it probably happens a lot in the metal world as well. I know personally, I've seen it more in the punk world, but um, oh, yeah, we got plans yeah. for that too, based on the Misfits early releases. Oh yeah, where yeah. Glenn Danzig coloured in parts by hand and yeah, slipped right. um, handwritten lyrics and things in each, you know, like so every single one of a certain number of releases are are like unique. Yep. But um, I think that was less about making money than not having any money. So yeah, they'd yeah, have to yeah. do it that way. That's right. But now, Jesus Christ, yeah. they'd be um, worth a lot of money, those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like 800 bucks and stuff yeah, for yeah, a single. Sanity. Which is crazy. Yeah. Back in the day, I'd buy like a CD of an album I like. And then it comes out on Digipack with one bonus song or some shit. We'll buy that version as well. Yeah. And then yeah. get a single as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Certainly wouldn't do that anymore. No, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Because they used to have things like the first run. I think um, even with... Um, I always mean... This is something I always mean to sort of go back and try and confirm. But um, a friend of mine bought Nirvana Nevermind like the first sort of week it came out before the... So that she was a fan of the band from before like obviously the earlier albums she knew about so as soon as that album was out she bought it and listened to it and then obviously the album takes off but on her cd version there's a song before the rest of the album starts you know how you can do that rewinding past song one yeah, thing into yeah. a secret track area and it's like a 15 minute jam of just crazy sort of noise jam wow and really it's on it was on her cd and then you know like months later or if even weeks later probably i bought a version of it and it didn't have it on there Oh. So I always meant to look back and find out whether that must be real rare to confirm. Yeah, to confirm what was going on with that, or whether that was a common thing, or I'll or get not. TJ onto the case. He'll find <laughs> yeah, out yeah, by this right. afternoon. Yeah, because <laughs> I've never heard discogs. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Suss it out. Yeah. Yeah, he must have a big discogs account. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know if he's listed everything on there, but like he he bought into that Third Man Records subscription. That you guys heard of that? Oh yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, from album one so he was like i don't think it's like the biggest jack white fan ever but he just appreciates him so he heard they're doing a subscription service so yep. he signed up 75 bucks a quarter maybe us mm. and they ship a record to your house so he had it going for ages mm. and then i think it's a certain point he started seeing how valuable they all are because they're all just like one-off releases right a live pressing straight to vinyl of this person this weird band and yeah, it's all yeah all obscure uh not obscure sorry all mainstream stuff but just obscure releases mm. 
and suddenly he just had this oh unless it was like number four it was like quite early in the piece i thought it was one and he just like i don't want these they're too valuable to play mm. one of them was a vinyl which you can play and if you smash it open there's another one inside that <laughs> what the- so he had that sealed like you shit like that and wow. he yeah he sold it and bankrolled half the shit he's got in there yeah right, selling right, those third realized. man records <laughs> and shit like um wow. you know he bought an original pressing of like um tool enema or something like that but yeah. like 15 years ago mm. um 10 years well maybe 10 years ago when i first sort of met him and he has all this vinyl from back then that he never listened to mm. and now i think he's like doing all this research on discogs of good sounding pressings as opposed to early pressings right. yeah yeah and so yeah he's swapping out the stuff that's now valuable and rare for things that he can actually play and listen yeah, to and yeah are good crazy yeah it's pretty fucking crazy Takes yeah. a lot of research suss all that out yeah. but it's true i mean that when the first bunch of cds came out uh, they were all still vinyl masters, basically, that had just been quickly transferred into the digital realm. So mm-hmm. um, those early CDs were pretty rough sounding and then people sort of cottoned on that the format was going to work out. So they started you know, taking off some of the stuff they have to do for vinyl because of the physical process. So CDs started to sound better. Uh, and then I imagine there's a similar thing happens once the vinyl you know vinyl kicked in a bit more after that sort of cd i don't know there must have been 10 years of cd at least before records were sort of coming back again at least probably more Mm. um but a lot of those initial records that were getting repressed again and these new pressing plants were pressing records off cd masters which yeah is again is very different to the vinyl so some of those um vinyl pressings probably sound a bit shitty you know in the end because they weren't optimized for the format you know same as those Mm. early cds similar sort of situation so because this record company is jumping to cash in on certain trends straight away yeah, yeah. and not really understanding or knowledge gets lost along the way, especially with yeah. records, vinyl stuff. But I guess as a, as a good sort of like closing segue to promoing you a bit as well is that you do vinyl mastering and it's good. I think that's like quite a valuable service because you've been doing that for fucking years since I've ever known. You've yeah. always done vinyl stuff. But it's, well, I had to do a lot of research into it though because again, it's like um, knowledge that um, <clears throat> it's mainly to do with the physical and that's what people don't understand. The physical format of records is so strange. You know, it's physical grooves cut into a piece of plastic mm. and a small metal need- microphonic needle <laughs> runs through those grooves and the music plays from that. Like it's a strange thing. It's such a physical format. Um, so uh yeah there are certain things you need to do the needle can jump out of the groove if something's not quite right frequency wise and phase issues and all that sort of thing it just records can sound terrible uh, another big thing is just the length i know it happens a lot in the punk world where <laughs> you know bands will want to put out a seven inch it's the cheapest format but they'll try and squeeze eight minutes onto a seven inch and when they get it back they're super disappointed you know, it's really quiet and it sounds tinny there's no bottom end or anything like that it's just purely because you can't squeeze that amount of time into the physical surface of the record you know and a lot of people don't sort of understand that so vinyl mastering itself is not necessarily a difficult thing but you just have to know what's involved with the actual physical format that's the, the main thing with it so, mm. yeah that's interesting yeah i'd recommend to go to you for those sort of things because i think you've got all the right experience and good advice and we'll certainly be looking at that for farthing wheel 
That's for sure. And yeah, making that compromise because it would it would be less than eight minutes aside on a seven inch. But I'd rather just do four songs and have it all tip top than yeah. You know, we're well, better off almost going to a ten inch. Yeah. Uh, but then not not all pressing plan. I know the the only one yeah. in Australia is Zenith. They don't do ten inch. So yeah, yeah. I can't only do find seven and twelve anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was my consideration is to stick it mm. on there or like a thirty three RPM. Seven inch, but I don't know. Well, again, a lot of pressing plants. This is the thing when you're looking into this sort of stuff. All the pressing plants will have pages and pages of this info for you to check out. That people don't pressing plants don't recommend you do seven inches at thirty three and a third. Yeah. With vinyl, the tighter the circle, the worse the quality. So, when you go back and listen to the albums that were recorded and released in the seventies, especially, especially with okay, let's use the Black Sabbath example again. Um, the songs that are in the are towards the end of a side in the middle always sound worse than the ones on the outside. So bands used to put their best songs first, second or third on their side and leave the songs that they would maybe consider as filler or or cr- songs they didn't like as much at the end of the side because by the time the the needle gets to that groove and it's turning really tightly, it can't reproduce the same sort of frequency range as it can when it's on the outside <laughs> of the so record. crazy, yeah. Yeah, so you'll find all of those albums had... Um, instrumentals or fillers as the last songs of the sides mm. you know just just because they knew that that was the physical limitation so they took that into account when they ordered their songs but it's a similar thing for a seven inch that's a really tight circle you offset that a bit by doing it at 45 so the speed increases quality again so it's better but then you drop it back down to 33 and a third and you try and squeeze six or seven minutes on it's just gonna sound terrible so yeah yeah it's a funny thing 10 inches are um are better you can have like um eight minutes six to eight minutes i think uh, and 45 on a 10 inch so mm. on each side but again it's just it costs more because it's a more obscure size and um, yeah yeah not all the pressing plants do them but. yeah i know for the spherical thing i'm looking at basically doing a 12 inch at 45 yeah and just doing a run of that just because i may never decide to do that ever again yeah and just have yeah some stick on the wall and and it'll sound amazing. I've yeah. got a, I've got a friend called Craig Holsworth who I've done a lot of recording with over the years. Like I think we worked it out that it was like our twenty fifth anniversary or something of record. Like he was one of the first people I recorded after I finished SAE, and um, he was in bands in the eighties, and uh, a band called the Bamboos and a band called the Healers. And I went back and was able to grabbed a couple of his old records, you know, because obviously his their releases were all on vinyl because that was what he did in the time, mm-hmm. and um. One in particular is an EP that's on 12 inch and it's 45 and it is the loudest, most amazing sounding thing I've heard. Like you put that record on it, it just jumps out of the speakers wow. because it's 12 inch, it's 45 RPM uh, and there's probably only 10 minutes on each side or eight minutes on each side. I think it is something like that. So it's an EP mm-hmm. and it sounds great because physically the grooves are deeper and wider uh, because there's not as much music and it's going faster. So the sound is just deluxe mm. you know so that's amazing so it is it's something if you're doing a 12 inch 45 is definitely worth it i reckon yeah so yeah. yeah it's gonna gonna cost money but yeah it will cost money for this thing i don't care oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anything to add from you no i think that's just about covers us but yeah if any people out there want a bigger dose of dr alien smith where's the place to go these days uh well i guess um recording studio stuff is um 
at begurkstudios.com. Um, the microphones and stuff is dralienesmith.com. Um, and uh, Dr. Alien Smith on the Reverb, the Reverb store there has probably got the most information about products and stuff. So Awesome. Yep. You're on Facebook and Twitter as well. Yep. Look him up. Insty. Insty. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. cool. It's always a pleasure. We could go all day, really. Should yeah. Should make, make this a more often uh, occurrence. What should we go out with? Wasn't too geeky. No, uh, I wish it could be not geekier. Geeky enough, yeah. not geeky enough. <laughs> I held back because of Brendan and his bloodshot eyes over there. Bloodshot eyes. Kiss my poodle's dad. Kiss my dad's poodle. Oh. Kiss, kiss my poodle's donkey. Donkey. Kiss my poodle's donkey. Okay. <laughs> okay, kiss, yeah, what song? I'm if playing? we can find it. Yeah, got yeah if you song. can find it. Um, awesome Promise Brown album. Yeah, or Promise Brown album. Shake Maybe a mega mix. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we should do that. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, can I make a small request before? We oh go? yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we have the um, whack on your headies? Let's go intro of this podcast. A hundred percent. Oh, thanks, yeah. mate. That is one of <laughs> actually. That's probably my album of the week. Just that. Right <laughs> Take that, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and Smitty mm. and fucking who else is? Oh, not you got people who don't like that. Oh, has, has Smitty said anything? I'm just about trying that? to think of the listeners that I care about. I can't so, think no, of he does. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually sleep that I'm thinking about, not Smitty. Yeah. Sorry, mate. That was a classic yeah. piece of recording history right there that that intro that was yeah, after yeah. a four day bender in Roy's lounge room yeah was it whack on your headies let's go that's just <laughs> <laughs> classic yeah so yeah that'd be my only request the the original or the revamped version oh I didn't notice the revamped version because the original version was when we were on tour at Roy's oh we, okay we recorded it in his little tiny study area yep and then I sort of mixed it as best I could on the way to Gosford or something right. in the back of the van. You guys didn't know what I was doing. And then when I got home, I took the the vocal tracks off there and like did a re good version that became the 2018. Uh, yeah, I think it's the 2018 version. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because, it, yeah, it just sounds slick and sounds real. Sounds slick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah.